Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber, and this show features all of my favorite things. What are those, Amber? Paragon. Food. No, did we talk about food? No, not not even a morsel. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I we talk about paranormal research and historical research. Yeah, and looking in the legends and why things are haunted and the stories behind them. And we do it with Jennifer Jones. Yeah, super uh, cool. Who super, has super a blog cool. called The Dead History that she started back in 2012. Uh-huh. She also has a book called The Ghosts of Odgen. Ogden. I said it wrong. Uh, see, I said something weird. I did that during the show. Uh, I, I just, you know. Why is that? That's a hard word to say. I want to say I want to say Odden, but it's got it's O G D E N. Anyway, uh, enough uh, slaughtering uh, of her uh, book no, title. No, I have to look the at ghosts it of Ogden, Ogden, Brigham City, and Logan, Utah. Yes, yes. And we'll have all this linked on our site, but you can uh, Google Jennifer Jones, Utah haunted book, whatever, and you'll find it on Amazon, uh, anywhere books are sold. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah. through the History Press. Uh, so anyway, well, she, oh, I mean, she was also the she dead also, history. I thought you said the dead. Yeah, that's her blog, but she yeah. also wrote. Uh, a piece for the Feminine Macaw. Yeah, we talked about which that. Which is Amanda Woomer's project yeah. from Spook Eats. We've had her on just recently. Yeah. And she is working on, I think it just closed, the second volume. I think it's closed. Like, no more submissions. But it's been so successful that there's going to be, next thing you know, she'll be on, like, volume 10. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, you know what we forgot to ask Jennifer about? I know. I'm looking at the notes. Creepy miniatures. Yeah, we'll have the Creepy next, time, miniatures. next time Jennifer's on. Jennifer, if you listen to this intro... We need we to totally ask you. Totally drop the ball about on that. your 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 project. Your, your what you okay? Wait, because her bio says when she's not researching and writing, she can usually be found at home making creepy, creepy miniatures. miniatures. What is a creepy miniature? What is a creepy? What miniature? do you make? What are How they? scary is it? What does it mean? Please explain this to me. What are they? <laughs> what is it? What is it? Yeah, what are you thinking of the rainbow guy? I'm thinking of the rainbow. He what passed away. God, it's, did you know that guy passed yeah, away? Yeah, he died a while ago. What a bummer. I think he was dead before that song got really popular. That wasn't a song. Well, he did. He no. He the guy, redid it was a the meme. No, you're thinking oh. of something totally different. The guy who was tripping out on LSD. That's right. Yeah, it was saw sort the of rainbow. Recent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Double I'm, rainbow. Do you know where my brain went? It went to that guy that is like the happiest thing I've ever does seen. the very nice version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. That guy. Yeah, we were talking about him last weekend. I was thinking about him Fire. and then rainbows, and but yeah, he's that I'm guy. The, I can't, the double, I'm talking about the rainbow, the double okay, rainbow guy who okay. was tripping on LSD. I, I was. I got confused. What does um, it mean? We do have to mention briefly oh, that yeah. one of our previous guests, Barb Heiser, Heiser, I think it's Heiser. Heiser. Uh, she passed away yeah. on June 11th of 2021. She was also at Troy's conference. She was. Yeah. What makes Barb special? She was the longest running. Yeah. Guest of the Haunted America conference, and I think had been to almost every single one since Troy began. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say like she missed one, but when we were there last, I think Troy gave her some type of award or or I don't know some perk or something. Frequent for, flyer miles. Yeah, I don't know an acknowledgement just yeah. for like wow. She was you, very very nice. It was really nice to talk to her. So on she and off her the show. her specialty. She kind of looked at, at the paranormal through the eyes of a social worker. Yeah. And so on uh, episode seventy three from June fourth of two thousand nineteen, we had her on the show and we talked about her her work within the paranormal and, and giving it that social work spin. Yeah. So rest in peace, Barb, yeah, you know, all respect. you, you know, She's all the very, mysteries yeah, now. Thanks, thanks for so. spending some time with us here and we won't. Forget and you. I know Troy's going to mention her at the conference this year that we won't be at, but we you talk know, about that on the sucky. show. I mean, I know it's sound now. It makes me sad. Like, as we're talking about, it, I'm like, Oh, well, you know, and I just, so you guys know, um, I think I mentioned this a few, couple weeks ago. Um, Doug, 
uh, lost lost his father, Mr. Semig, Pete Semig. Uh, that was uh, back in, at the end of April, actually. Yeah, and this past Saturday, this, we just w- now had the memorial. Well, yeah, and there was a lot that had to be done, and there was uh, it was really quite amazing. Doug set up an entire gigantic tent in his front yard of his house. And had a whole service, you know. It had some really nice people say some really great things. It was it was you, a lot of fun. The juxtaposition actually. was interesting because you looked around the neighborhood and there's like people playing lawn games. Someone over here is just Working having on their a beer. car in the garage, and then there's yeah. like a full on memorial service in a front yard. Yeah, at Doug's. Um, <laughs> so we, we 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 all broke bread, hung out for a while, and you know, uh, I, I sent everyone's regards to Doug. He knows that everybody's thinking about him. Uh, but yeah, we we did say our final farewell to Mr. Semig, who was a who was a dear friend of our show when we were starting out in the old days. We did it in his basement, Mr. Semig's basement. He he had a, and he was so supportive of what we did, and he was always like, you know, every time we were done, we come here. How was the show? That was it. every time we'd come up there with his overalls on, standing there in his in his chair. Um, so we're gonna definitely miss Mr. Semig. So you know, this last couple of weeks have just been. Yeah, I didn't hear about Barb today. I'm just kind of bummed out, you know. But I'm glad we had a really good show tonight to give you guys. And Jennifer was nice enough to spend some time with us. And we're really glad we got to do that with her. So please, please, please enjoy our discussion with Jennifer Jones. Jennifer Jones, like a creeper watching her, at Troy, Ta- Troy Taylor's that's hell, conference. That's a hell of an icebreaker. Nice job. <laughs> no, I wasn't, I wasn't just standing in the corner staring at you, Jennifer. But I did notice, I, li- I like... That's the sound she was making. I like... So audio from when she was doing... I like good logos and clever names. And I was like, ooh, what is that? I like that logo, the dead history. Ooh, cool. The dead history. Plus, I always have to plug this. I don't care. I'm like, looks like she wrote a book for History Press. I've, I've written some books for History Press. So I, I'm always like, History oh, nice. Press, History Press. And then I later on looked you up. Of course, when you're at Troy's, Troy, Troy Taylor's conference, Haunted America Conference, isn't the biggest conference on the planet. It's our but favorite, you though. don't always get to say hello and mingle yeah. with everybody. Um, right. So anyway, that is where I first saw Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how cool all of her stuff was because she has a blog called The Dead History that she started in 2012. And if you are a big Troy Taylor fan and you've listened to the show for a while, you do know and understand the importance and awesomeness that is history and hauntings and how they go hand in hand and then just make history that much more awesome. So welcome to the show, Jennifer, because we're going to talk about, I'm sure, history and hauntings and all kinds of other cool stuff. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. I, you know, and I, I want to ram that point home. I, I think the, I can't stress this enough. Uh, the longer we go down this path, this journey we're on, and I'm sure the journey that you're on also, Jennifer, uh, history just becomes more and more important every year, it seems like, to this stuff, to to hauntings and the paranormal, I think, in general. Mostly, I think, hauntings and stuff like that. 
Uh, it just, I can't stress that enough. It just seems like it's more and more important important every year. So you started a blog called The Dead History, <laughs> right? First of all, I mean, I know let's start with the obvious questions here. Uh, what inspired you to start a blog like this? I mean, to get things rolling. I mean, you've obviously been at it for almost 10 years. Uh, I'd like to know what what made you want to start this and what's kept you going, not most and more importantly, to be honest with you. Well, so I got started because I was um, investigating the paranormal and you know, I, I started investigating back around 2007, mm-hmm. um, and I knew absolutely nothing. Um, and so it was totally like learning as you go and all that. And I just, um, I noticed that there was a severe lack of legitimate, like, research into the background of locations. And it seemed like so many places would just accept, like, stories from other people about, you know, things that supposedly happened and and mm. um, some of them were just so blatantly untrue and it, it just i i don't know i guess it bugged me like how how can you go in to seriously investigate a location when you're using information that's not accurate like i i couldn't see how that would lead to good results um and so it really started when i was investigating and then um you know, the investigating all the time on the weekends and I, I was a mother, you know, well, I am a mother and I was working full time and it just got too much. And I realized that I really loved the history part of it. And so I decided to step away from investigating all the time and just focus on writing about the real history behind urban legends, haunted places, interesting graves, like just anything that's kind of creepy and morbid. Um, and that's where my passion lies. And I guess that also answers your question. Like, that's why I've been doing it so long is because I just, I really enjoy doing it. You know, I, we, I know I have a similar story because I, I know for a time, it's all I did. I was out in the field for, for years, every weekend, sometimes every evening I had free from work and stuff like that. And I know over time, I kind of just got tired of it. <laughs> I got burned out on it. Right. Yeah. And, but we always had the podcast. We've always had the podcast, you know, and that's something I know. Well, we took a little bit of a break, <laughs> but I mean, we still do this thing. It's something that we, we just keep doing that. I think for the same reason, we just like doing this podcast the same way we like. Sometimes I think it's I think the older you get and I notice this in my older years now when I'm, I have a lot of friends with kids. Right. And. I always find like when we get together, we don't get together and really do anything anymore. We sit around and talk. <laughs> That's all we do is just sit around and talk, right? And that that applies to our case. And you know, really, the challenge getting together with some friends and just talking about stuff like the paranormal, for example, uh, can be a challenge when you have kids because kids don't want to sit around and talk. They want to just run around and go nuts and do crazy <laughs> stuff, and they want their parents' attention. I'm sure you know this. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like I think in our case, for example, it, it is uh, a thing of we just like to talk about this stuff a lot. And I think that's just as productive in a field like this than actually going out and doing, doing the legwork too. I think you're exploring ideas and things like that. And I don't think that's any different for a blog either that, that you're doing. You're exploring these ideas the same way. And I think that's in this field, I think that's just as productive than going out in, into the field actually and taking pictures or taking audio. Wouldn't you think? Well, for sure. And you know, like um, investigating has never been one of my strongest, like suits I guess but I they used to make fun of me because it would hit like one o'clock in the morning and I'm like okay I'm tired I'm ready to go (laughs) and they says you know that I was an old lady because I was like I couldn't stay up all night and I I still can't to be totally honest with you um but you know everyone has their their strengths and different things and 
mine happens to be research and history and and not necessarily like the um investigation angle although i do it it's just not like i you know there's people that are better than me and and i think when you have different people taking a a a look into different things then everyone's going to come up with their own take on things and when you can get together and, and talk about that it you learn more, you know, and you, you think of things differently that you might not have thought about, you know, originally in, until you talk to somebody else about it. I agree. And you keyed in, I'm going to key in another point you made uh, that we talk about often here, and it is this, uh, this obviously this idea of history. And the fact that I, and I agree that I think there are very few people or sources out there or groups or whatever that are really focusing in on really researching and and deep diving on the history of a location, for example, like just one location, right? Mm -hmm. I see this more often than not, and I'm not going to name any names, but they're, and they're all over the country. I think people, I I call it manufacturing a haunt. (laughs) That's what my, that's my title for it. Um, I think some people just take a building that looks just relatively creepy. And we all have that classic idea of what a creepy looking building looks like. Um, I think it all take it takes all different shapes and forms, but any building that is older than fifty that okay, let's just say any building that um, and it don't have to be some old Victorian house. Um, right. it, it can be any old building that's maybe not been used or taken care of for twenty or thirty years. It's going to look creepy. <laughs> I don't care what you say; it's going to look kind of creepy. I think. Um, and I think people will take those buildings. I've seen this, and I know I'm pretty sure I'm sure you have too. Uh, and just say, okay, well, it's got to be hard. It's old and creepy. You know, it's got no windows in it. It's this and that. Uh, and if they, if there's been any research done at all, it's not verifiable. Bottom right. line, it's just not verifiable. That's if there was any research done at all. Um, I'm willing to go on the record, probably, and I'll probably get in trouble with some people to saying this, but it's some of it may actually be. What's the nice word to say on this, Amber? I don't know. Made up. <laughs> oh, well, people make up I mean, stuff. I, yeah. I, we've talked about on the show, like, the people that want to profit off of it because they have a bed and breakfast or a yeah. restaurant that has a legend. Yep. And mm-hmm. so they build on that to bring people in or some type of tourism or, it. you know, I don't know. And then I mean, pe- people might then have a genuine experience and contribute to the, the canon of that place's haunted literature from that fantastic. point on. Fantastic. That's but super cool. I, I have a question for, for you, Jen. Mm-hmm. I... I'm curious because this happened to me when I started looking into the research side of of these haunts and legends and stuff especially in Michigan was what was the first story that you because you're in Utah, right? Yeah. So what was the first story that maybe you were super familiar with? You heard these stories about, but then when you did the research you were like, "Huh, that's totally wrong." Or you found yeah, something there's... else completely like awesome to add to it that no one ever knew about. There, you know, there's a great one here, um, and it actually made uh, the Coast to Coast show like years and years ago um, because they, the the people, I don't even know like the name of the team or anything, but they claim that they got this um, EVP of, it, it's a creepy EVP, um, but it was supposedly someone being drowned like in a bathtub and you could hear, you know, screaming, you could hear water and um, and it went on forever. Like it was really long and so that EVP was captured in a building here in Ogden called the um, Ogden Exchange Building. And the Ogden Exchange Building um, is in the, what used to be the stockyards. And it was basically the 
livestock exchange office building. Um, it was built like back in the twenties or thirties. It's a very cool looking building. Um, and it had sat, you know, empty for quite some time. And so it had the classic creepy look to it. The area was kind of deserted and spots of it was used like as a dump site. So that on its own was also kind of creepy. Um, and these people claim that um, the exchange building had been used as a basically a mental hospital. And um, my team actually had gone out there and investigated. Um, and I, I don't really think we got anything. We might have gotten one EVP, but it wasn't... Um, you know, anything like the one that they had claimed to have, have gotten there years prior. And so when I started researching it, um, I very quickly realized that, it, you know, it was never a mental hospital. It was super easy to disprove. Um, and in fact, what had happened was a, a lady had purchased it years ago and had turned it into a haunted house. And so the backstory for the haunted house was that this was the, I think they called it the Bellshire Hospital or Bellevue Hospital or something like that. Well, that over the years turned into it was actually a mental hospital. And so now it's, you know, terribly haunted because so many people died and were murdered there and all these crazy things. Um, but, you know, if you looked into it at all, you could tell like that was just completely not true. It, you know, it had a pretty benign history to it. Not to say it's not haunted, but it's definitely not haunted in the way that, you know, many, many people were claiming it to be so. That, that's kind of an extreme example, too. I mean, a mental hospital, you know, and then it wasn't even that. Like, because that'd yeah. be kind of more common history if it was, because those are pretty notorious places to begin with. Um, well, I, right. guess, I guess the thing, that, the issue I have is if you want to entertain people, entertain people, right? Um, and part we we all know that part of entertainment is embellishment, I guess, right? Uh, that's how pe- you excite people. And if you want to, to have an experience like a horror movie or something like that, I mean, more power to you, right? But what I what I see it getting masked as is simply, well, yeah, this is was a like in, like in your case, this was a mental asylum at one time, and there's been all kinds of crazy things. So you're you're slathering on this this version of nonfiction, I guess, on top of this uh, to bring right. people in. And I, again, I I don't want to dispel people from trying to make a living or try to start a business or something like that. But I think it, people are allowed to have opinions about it though, too. And that's my, my, that's obviously my opinion. <laughs> I think, I'm not into <laughs> I'll it. I'll be the first person. Like yeah. I love, I love all ghost stories. The yeah. fake ones, you know, the real ones I love, especially. Um, and I don't have a problem with like people making up ghost stories. The only thing I have an issue with is making up ghost stories and then claiming it to be fact. That bugs me, but I think, Mostly it bugs me just because I'm a, a huge history nerd. So, yeah. um, you know, I like to, I don't write personally, like I don't write about anything on my blog that I can't verify um, to some degree because otherwise it's just another thing that you're putting out there that's, you know, not true. I don't want to repeat stuff that's just bogus. So Right. And the internet's like a vast wasteland for like, just corrupted, corrupted ghost stories yeah. and miscellaneous weird things. And, and that's why I think it's still important for ghost researchers and, and, and lovers of history yeah. to still write books. Books yeah. are, they, you freeze that story in time. 
You can't delete it. I mean, I guess you could go through and edit subsequent editions if you needed to, but it's not you, nearly you as easy it. as going no. to a Wikipedia article no. and hitting the edit button. No. I mean, it's or or just deleting it and it's gone off the internet because the person's done. They don't want to write anymore. They passed away or something like that. And then you got to go like dig around in the internet archive and that doesn't even always work. So it's, it's well, it makes information. I mean, real information less of an artifact, like a, a true artifact. That when you commit it to paper, like you're talking about, yeah. like a book, uh, the internet makes information way more dynamic. You can time it. Yeah, you can date. You know, yeah. date it. Well, no, when I when, and dynamic means it can change on the fly. Right. Right. And that's what you're talking about right and there. And I've seen, Amber. I just was working on a story about a monster in Michigan, and I had I have printouts. I have so much stuff printed out from the past 20 years. And I had an old Wikipedia page about this monster from 2007. And I pulled it out of my file, and I'm just kind of referencing it. And then I started looking things up, and I'm like, this doesn't, this doesn't seem right with stuff I've looked at now. And then I go look at the new Wikipedia page. Oh, it's completely different because the person in 2007 decided to write a book about it that was fictional and then alter the Wikipedia page briefly <laughs> so it suited his needs. Like, that that's the part that's like, oh, new well, that's speak. Just like, dis- that's just disgusting. You know, like 1984-ish. Like, don't, you can't change. No. That's why, like, you can't even, I think, in school, like, use Wikipedia as a valid source in any of your papers. <laughs> like, it might prompt you to look up or go somewhere else or, like, you have to look at their sources. But, mm. mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. So, viva la book. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I guess that's, you know, that's, I think, what the importance of his, uh, of this research you're talking about and what you do, Jennifer, is. Uh, and it, it's obvious you dig a little deeper than just hitting, like, you know, <laughs> obviously hitting Wikipedia articles. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, I mean, and I think that's what needs to be really done. That's the that's the point of this. That's or the I, Shadowlands. Jennifer, when, when you were, in 2007, when you were, like, Initially, ghost hunting. Did you guys use the Shadowlands to find places in Utah? Oh, 100%. (laughs) You know what's funny is it makes me laugh now because I'll go back every now and then and just look and see, like, um, for Utah mostly, but I'll look and see what's on there. And just so many of them, you know, back then I didn't know any better, but now I look and I'm just like, oh my God, those are just so terrible. Yeah. But it was fascinating. When it, we were well, younger. it was. I know when I when yeah. we was young. I mean, I thought it was the coolest thing. When ever. it was new, it was like, oh my god! And then pe- people added fake stuff to it all the time. Yeah, I know people who did that just to test out what would happen. That's a that's an interesting <laughs> experiment in itself. But it and some things were somewhat valid and gave gave you leads and you could look into it. I don't know, but it's still there. I mean, they still keep it up. Bless them. Bless, yeah, bless them. <laughs> now let's talk about the book for a second. Uh, the ghost of, and I'm, I'm going to totally slaughter this because I slaughter everything. The ghost of Ogden, uh, Brigham, Brigham City, and Logan, Utah. Did I get it right? Yes, good job. Oh my God, I did something. I, I did a thing today. Yeah, Yay. You pronounced. <laughs> let's, talk about, let's talk about a little bit about, the, I mean, what got, you, what got you started on the book? Um, so I, I am friends with um, another fellow author who had written for History Press and um, she just was like, you know, I think she was on Facebook one day and was like, you need to, you need to write a book. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start with that. And she's like, here's the information, you know, contact them. And, and so I did, I sent an email and they were like, you know, send over a, um, idea or whatever. I can't remember what, how they called it. And, um, so I did, and then <clears throat> they gave me a contract and then I was just like, holy crap, what have I just done to myself? Cause I think <laughs> I had like a year, you know, to write it. And it was way, way, way harder than 
than I was expecting, but I got it done and I'm really proud of it. Um, I don't know. I I'd like to write more, but my personal life has just been crazy. So mm-hmm. hopefully I, I have more in me to get out there eventually. I don't think people realize how difficult it is to put together a presentation like that on paper. Uh, I obviously Amber has done a handful of books and I see what she's gone through. I'm working on one right now that's due in two months. Yeah. And I see what she's (laughs) going through. I, 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 you know, to, to really do it, I think there's a, there's ways to write books now. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about a minute ago, as far as like research and, and pulling up information and trying to really dig. Um, there's, I, you know, even books though, and we were talking about how great books are a second ago, but I've seen this myself too. Some books that are out there, especially in the paranormal field, the, I mean, they'll have, what is it? A bibliography. Yeah. I have some far out of you, reading books anymore. Use, yeah. Um, That's, that is correct. A bibliography, <laughs> but you'll see sightings in there. They don't, I mean a lot. And I, it's one thing I've seen with a lot of books is. Uh, a lot of the things they cite are from know, from the web, from the internet itself. So the <laughs> the internet is a valid source of information now, yeah. better than it was when you know we were kids and it was kind of a new thing. But I do still cringe when I look at books that have been written. I, I, there was we one, shouldn't be critiquing like this. No, I guess, but there but, was. You know. I'm not going to state like titles and authors and stuff. Oh, this is terrible. There was a book recently that I noticed, and it wasn't like it was poorly written or anything. But every single source was just an internet source, and that's and it's not like they were horrible. Yeah, yeah. Just because, yeah. But I was still was like, ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it hurts. Like, and I and maybe that's part of my old like getting older, like because I was in the Kid of the eighties and nineties. No, I'm a zennial, you know, kid of the eighties and nineties, and we still had one foot in book world and yeah. paper and pen, and another world in going into computers. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I still have this distrust of sometimes that I, I don't know, or growing up where you couldn't actually use that as like all of your sources. Yeah, yeah. like that was no. Can we talk about a couple stories from the book, Jennifer? Sure. The floor is yours. Oh. <laughs> Oh, which okay. Just uh, um, throw one at see. us. Yeah. I well, she already mentioned the, the ghost Ogden of... Exchange building. Oh, okay. And but I, I was a good question for the book. Did you <laughs> in, just investigate haunted places, or did you explore other topics like monsters, UFOs, like anything else bizarre? Um. Not not really in that book. Um, the book mostly focuses on haunted places. Okay. I did go into um, an ur- two urban legends um, <clears throat> that are some of my favorites. But none of the, you know, I haven't really gone a whole lot into monsters and stuff yet. And the funny thing is there's there's not, not a lot of monsters in Utah. There's some Bigfoot sightings, um, actually some pretty creepy ones in some of the camping areas around here. Um, but there are a ton of UFO sightings, so yeah, maybe you, I should like branch guys, out into that a little bit. You guys got um, Skinwalker Ranch over there. <laughs> I yeah, think that's, so that's it's like, like <laughs> it's like the hotbed. I know that. You know, it's funny. Like I, I always tell people like I don't get scared in in spooky buildings. Like ghosts don't scare me at all. Um, but UFOs, at least the kind of stuff that they talk about it like the skinwalker ranch i find that absolutely terrifying it it is terrifying because it's like the whole 
it's like everything. Everything in any paranormal situation is happening in this location. And historically, it's been going on for a long time because the Native Americans in that, you, you went to base and talk about uh, everything that's been happening there. And it goes back in their legends. So it's like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, yeah. that's creepy. Like the cattle mutilations and um, mm. <laughs> like, I don't want to live yeah, there. <laughs> Everyone, like, I get asked a lot if I've been out there, and I, I have, I've been in Bernal. I have not been to Skinwalker Ranch. I would totally go to Skinwalker Ranch. I don't think I would want to spend the night out there. I definitely, like, would never camp out there. I no, think people that, uh-uh. that camp out in that area are just absolutely insane, but nope. whatever. Um, but it's, you know, that, that whole part of the state, like, it just kind of has a weird vibe. Like, it's just a little bit strange. That I only I don't know how else to describe it. The only time I've been to Utah, I think, is Zion National Park in Utah. Yeah, it's down yeah. south. So I've been there, and then I we went to the Four Corners. So I stood in it, you know, like, like with oh, one... well, you were like <laughs> you were like in Skinwalker territory. Down what was I? Oh, I didn't know yeah, that at fourteen. Have... <laughs> the I think they call it the Highway to Hell is down there. Oh. It used to be like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> little did I and know. You at survived age to tell the tale today, Amber. We were probably bored. We were probably like, oh my God, let's put our <laughs> headphones on. Let's get some snacks. Who cares? Whatever. You didn't even know you were there. We want, me and Chrissy just wanted to go to gift stores as kids. Just wanted to go shopping. <laughs> and where are we going to go eat next? Little did we know we're in the midst <laughs> okay. of like a paranormal hot spot. I yeah. wish I would have. I was into this stuff when I was a kid, but I not to that much. Jen, were you into stuff like this when you were little too? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, it, it started really young for me because I saw a shadow figure in my house. Um, and, you know, I am a child of the 80s. And so then Ghostbusters came out and yep. it was just like one thing after another and I was hooked. So I've always been strange as far as that goes. Like, I'm sure my mother was like, what is wrong with this child? <laughs> <laughs> Did anyone else in your home experience shadow people? Or were you the only one? No, I was like the only one. Um, and I remember I, I told my mom, you know, what I saw and um, she kind of just like poo-pooed it away. And then um, the next day or a couple of days later, I overheard her talking to a friend on the phone and was telling her friend what I had said to her and then was like, you know, the people that lived in this house before we bought it, they had a, a young child that died of SIDS in the house and mm. so then i was like you know well great now i know that <laughs> <laughs> yeah sometimes i would rather not know stuff especially if you live there but odds are the older your house i forgot i heard a statistic the other day that said if your house is over 100 years old statistically someone has died in your home or even been laid out in your home well uh, i think a lot of people yeah. I, I was talking to someone over the weekend about this, and we were. He was talking. This gentleman was talking about how he found out there was a hanging in the barn of his, uh, one of the barns on his property. You think that was true? I, I'm sure it was. Okay. Um, and <laughs> side note, oh, that's an off-air question. <laughs> Sorry. By the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, but we, you know, that we got into that conversation, and I've. I, I, I've read a few articles and I've, you know other experiences. You'd be surprised how many houses have had people die in them for natural or unnatural well, yeah. causes. I mean, even you know, yeah, a hundred years old. There, there's a good chance yeah. if that structure is still there, someone has expired or crossed over in that in that structure. Um, that don't surprise me at all, really. No, no. yeah, and I, I mean, even if they didn't necessarily die in the house, I mean, back then a lot of times, you know, the funerals, they, like you said, they were laid out in the yeah. house for days, so. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so glad we we don't do that one anymore. 
Um, oh, the, the living so, room. So thing? we were talking the, the about living room. the living room. The living room. So we yes. were talking about uh, your book. So you mentioned urban legends. I love urban legends, and you meant you mentioned some of your favorites. So I'd love to hear some urban legend from Utah. Okay, so the so my all time favorite uh, is in the Ogden City Cemetery, um, and it, it revolved around the grave of a fifteen year old girl. Her name was um, Florence Grange, and um, it's known as Flo's Grave. And, you know, all urban legends have, like, um, a procedure that you have to go through, a ritual, in order to, like, have the event take place. And so with this one, um, you need to go at night, drive um, towards her headstone. Her headstone's right next to one of the roads in the cemetery. Um, You flash your lights three times at her headstone, and then her ghost will rise up Mm. out of the headstone and float towards your car. (laughs) And then um, the whole story behind it is she... uh, she was waiting for her boyfriend to pick her up and take her to a dance. Um, and she was hit by a car is how she died. That's how the story goes. Or there was one that she um, was like choked on a piece of candy or, or something like that. And so when I started the dead history, she was the first um, urban legend that I researched. And, you know, it was really Utah's great for like uh, having records easily available online I'm a, a huge introvert, so if I can do it online, oh, I'm yep. all over it. Yep. Um, and so, like, the death certificates, uh, you know, newspapers, all sorts of things. And so it turns out she died from the Spanish flu. Um, and one of the things that I I really like to do when I write about haunted places is I like to kind of give some humanity back to the people that are supposedly haunting locations. Because when it comes down to it, you know, every ghost if you believe in ghosts, then they were once a living person with their own life. Um, and I think that's overlooked a lot. And so I just kind of wanted to tell her story, um, you know, her history a little bit. And so what I'll, what I do in the book um, is I'll put out the legend and then I'll, you know, put out like what really happened. And so um, I'm was able to find, you know, her death certificate. I, I actually even found um, much later, I found some pictures where, her family had saved, she died um, around Christmas time and her family had saved the Christmas presents that she was going to give to her siblings. And so I just thought that was so incredibly sad. So she died in 1918 and here it is, you know, 2021 and they still right. have hung on to her Christmas presents. Wow. The three headlight flashes. That's something I, yeah. I, I want to, and, and and obviously this is an urban legend. That we we've specified that this is an urban legend. Uh, we mentioned the Shadowlands, yeah, minutes ago, and this is one of those ones that pops up a lot. I, I would notice this in the Shadowlands, and you know, and urban legends are urban legends, right? Um, have you noticed? I don't know, Jennifer. I want to ask you that. Have you noticed? Have you seen the 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 headlight thing in other urban legends? I mean, not even in Utah, maybe, but w- with other stories from around the country, have you seen that? Yeah, it's, it's really common. Um, the headlights, and usually it's in, in, you know, groups of three, and I've always kind of figured that it probably had something to do with, like, you know, religious stuff and, like, the Trinity. And, you know, some people say, oh, if, if you're seeing stuff at 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, it's because of this. And so yeah. um, I think it, in, in, the, in the urban legends, it just adds, like, another layer of creep factor to it. So there's, like, the flashlights. And then another really common one is, like, um, circling a headstone a certain amount of times. Um, there's a headstone up in Logan 
that um, the ritual there is that you, you circle the headstone, you know, at midnight. And if you do it on a full moon, it's even better. And so those are super common. Yeah, we have we have a legend here not too far from where <clears throat> where the studio is here. Uh, it's the legend of Morrow Road. And any of our old old school longtime listener listeners have are familiar with this one. It's uh, Morrow Road. And uh, the rough story goes uh, basically a young a woman. There's been a, actually there's a couple of stories that shows you how <laughs> how all over the place it really is and how vague it could be. Uh, one of my got was basically a woman, a hitchhiking woman was hit on the side of the road and she haunts the road. Now the other one I got was the more intricate story was, um, there was some type of family dispute. A woman had a, had a baby out of wetlock and out of utter grief, she basically went and murdered her child and herself by the, by the river. And now she haunts, she walks around, walks up and down Morrow road looking for her child, basically. Right, so that, and those are those are very very high levels of the story, very quick 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 takes on the story. Mm-hmm. But what they say about that is, you have to go to a certain spot on Morrow Road, which we never really figured that out. <laughs> we could, they never really said what spot on Morrow Road you had to go to, but you pull up <laughs> with your car and you flash your headlights three times, and what you're supposed to see is uh, a like a like an orb, a glowing ball. And it's supposed to come, and this is on the Shadowlands too, I think. Uh, it actually is supposed to come towards your car. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I omitted, I totally forgot a part of this. When you pull up to whatever spot on the road, we went up to several spots on this road, by the way. Uh, you're supposed to stop the car, actually, take the keys out and put them on the dash of the car. <laughs> then you flash the headlights. You flash the headlights three times. And what they say, if I remember correctly, on the Shadowlands was you'll see this glowing ball coming at you. And by the time you go to put your keys back in the ignition and start your car, you should be able to see this glowing ball in the back seat of your car. Which, of course, the creep factor comes in. <laughs> like, oh, boy, it's in the car now. <laughs> um, we, we tested this out. I can say now we tested this out like tw- nearly 20 years ago now and filmed it. I mean, you know, like most things, when you film them like that, you don't get anything. Well, we tried it a few times. So, I mean, that's another one of those stories. Uh, very interesting regardless, right? But I, that's, I wanted to ask you about that if you've noticed that, too, that there is like the, the three flashing headlight thing we see more often than not. It sounds like, yeah, <laughs> you've seen them, too. That, that, that's cool. Um, what about some ghost stories from the book? I mean, or a ghost story from the book, um, whatever one you want. Um, the ghost of Tony... Tony Joe Henry, that's a story from the book. Am I correct? Yes, that story is actually from the Feminine Macabre. Oh, oh I'm good. sorry. Sorry, Perfect. I, it up. I was going to ask about that because we've had uh, Amanda on the show. I was going to say, we've talked to Amanda a couple yeah. times. And we were big, I was a giant fan of that book when it came out because I'm like, yes, this needs to happen. You know, more female <laughs> voices, like just putting their thoughts. And I like the fact that it's a collection of stories about. Any, well, paranormal related, but it doesn't have to be certain focuses. It could just be your thoughts, opinions, whatever. But whatever your specialty is, write about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. thrilled that Jen's, uh, not Jen, but uh, Amanda's going to have a second volume coming out uh, soon, too. So anyway, I was going to ask you what you wrote for that one. Yeah, Yay. so I um, I wrote about Tony Joe because, um, you know, I just kind of stumbled upon her story. I really, really like true crime. Um, and so if I ever can find like a, a situation where it's a haunting combined with some true crime, that's like my all time favorite to write about. 
And um, so I started kind of reading about her. And then the more I like dug into what happened with her and her history and everything, the more I was just hooked. And um, so I was really excited to do that. I've, I've never been to Louisiana. I luckily um, it, it takes place in the Calcasieu Parish Courthouse. And the court clerk is just ridiculously friendly and helped me so much, um, giving me, you know, some information on different things that have happened to them there. And so it just, um, I had a lot of fun writing that. And I was really excited to be a part of that. I think it's, I think she's great. And I think it's a great um, thing that she's doing. And I'm really excited to see the the next book that comes out. So Yeah, and she has hundreds of people sending stuff in to be part of it. So it's not like she's struggling to like, oh, you know, I'm trying to put this volume out and like I got three entries and one's like poorly written. Like it's yeah. got a ton of people submitting stuff. So it's it's awesome. It's really, yeah, I think it's, it's, cool. it's cool. It's cool because it's not it's not just like you said, it's not just one thing. It's like, oh, you want to write about tarot cards? Cool. You right. Know? Yeah. You want to write about ghosts? Also cool. Like, so that's nice. So you're going to be presenting at the Haunted America conference this year, correct? I am, yes. We Are you guys going to be there? Normally uh, we are. Yeah. Normally we are, but we uh, when we kind of But made, COVID. Well, when we made the decision to kind of pull out this year, stuff was still like wonky. Scott and I both got COVID. We were fine. Uh, but then we had gotten shots and all that good stuff, and we we're just like, I don't know. I just don't know if we're ready to like right. go plunge into a group of people yet. Yeah. So uh, we just said Troy next year. Yeah, and you know, I mean, and not, now I'm feeling not, more confident. Like, oh god, we probably could have, but not, well, not if the cat's out of the bag. You know, Troy was really, really understanding about that too. We talked to him about that a while ago, and said, look, we'd like to just take the year off and let things settle down some more. And yeah, you know, just because things are, I don't want to go down the COVID, no. the COVID ra- no. ba- rabbit hole, <laughs> but I mean, just because things are changing at such a rapid rate. I still have my opinion on this too. Yeah. Just because it's changing fast doesn't mean things are any are a hundred thousand percent. I'm better, just not ready to test know? the efficacy of the vaccine just yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Really it, no, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, Troy was very, very understanding about that, and, and he really deserves a thanks from us. Um, and and last cool. year, I remember Troy did. I, it wasn't a super long thing, but he had each of the speakers, and I remember. Uh, I think it was Jennifer and your. I think it was you and your husband. You guys did a little Probably. segment. Yeah, you guys did a little segment, kind of a preview of what you're going to be talking about. And so Troy kind of did like a little something last year. But, you know, this year it's finally happening, which is great. And I know he's not letting more people into the door. So anybody listening saying, oh, I should go this year. I don't think you can get any more tickets. You know, They're not for sale. He, he caps it at a certain amount. Well, and, and especially with this whole situation, I think he's just like, nope, no one at the door. So now you have to plan You have to plan with us next year <laughs> if yeah, you want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, and you are, you are the, what you're presenting, and I don't think you mentioned that, Amber, uh, yeah. is Strange Graves and the People Within. Which I love, because I'm a cemetery nerd. So, I mean, not that we want to, we want you to give us no, the whole presentation no. here, but I'm curious about what this revolves around as far as this idea of Strange Graves and the People Within. Yeah, so, um, I mean, if you're a cemetery nerd, um, or if you've, if you've spent any time with creepy stuff on the internet, I, you might have come across the headstone for the victim of the beast, 666. Um, so like that's, that's an example of one I'll be talking about. She's actually a local, um, a local grave down in Salt Lake City. And so what I'm, what I'm going to do is just, you know, like the, um, the, the man who died eating library paste, he's from the Goldfield Cemetery in Nevada. 
Um, I'll be talking about him. So just like strange and unusual stories. So whether it's because of what's on their headstone, like with um, the victim of the beast and the library paste guy, or um, there's a really interesting one from Idaho that I don't, I don't want to give anything away because I want to keep some stuff. Yeah. Um, well, then tell us, surprise, just then tell but... us to shut up and quit asking dumb questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I understand. We don't want, we don't no. want that out. Yeah. But that's, so they're that's... all just, they're weird, you know, yeah. but there's, their stories are super, in my opinion, they're super interesting. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. There's one that, um, it's a dog's grave at Fort Bridger, which is in Wyoming. And, um, you know, so there's there's no normal there's no there's nothing normal about what I'm going to be speaking about. But I hope that people find it interesting um, because I've I've put a lot of work into tracking down information that you won't easily find online or anywhere else. For example, like a picture of the dog yeah. that's buried in this grave, and the dog died in like 1870 something. Oh, that's so it's awesome! Not like a new thing. Cool. So. I love stuff like this because <clears throat> I think. It can inspire people to get more excited about their local cemeteries. They're outdoor museums. A lot of them yeah. have amazing. I never even thought about. It. I never even heard of that. Honestly, it, what? That's actually a really great way to put that. An outdoor museum. Well, it's an out. It is an outdoor. Museum. It is. It's an outdoor museum. I mean, you have amazing art. You have history. You have everything that's in any indoor museum is out there. And sometimes you just have to spend time looking a little harder, in like pick an unusual grave. Or in my hometown, we had. They called it the witch's grave. And it had the witch's grave. You say like like a, that. the witch's grave. Witch's That's the only grave. way I can do it. They they it had like a pentagram on it, but really what it was was the ladies' auxiliary unit of the uh Masons. And so they have that star symbol and but kids that didn't know any better were like, Oh my god, she's witch. <laughs> and so just weird stuff like that. There's a there's a grave that has two I love the old uh stones that still have portraits glued into the old stone. Yes. And if uh-huh. someone hasn't picked them out and you can go, Wow, those were the people buried here and or if you get this old stones that sometimes tell a story. So these Peculic twins were from Chicago, came to Grand Haven, Michigan, which is Long Lake uh Lake Michigan, and ended up getting stuck in a sash which is an extremely rare thing on Lake Michigan. It's essentially a, a tidal wave uh, on our inland lakes. So a sage came out, took a bunch of people with it, and both of them got sucked into it. And you wouldn't know this story unless you looked it up and was like, wait, what is this, huh? But it, yeah. it's just the coolest. And we do cemetery tours in my hometown. We we have a true crime angle because it's this. I don't get people, but they're they're accepting of talking about all the horrible misdeeds that these people did that are buried there. But, oh, <laughs> bring up a ghost story, and we're just disrespecting the dead, you know? It's, it's so it's, cause it's a conservative area. and But we can talk about true crime to the end of the world. <laughs> so it just shows yep. you how popular that is still. All right, and I, I've always thought there was some type of relation with true crime and the paranormal, well, of I've always thought there, there was is. a healthy relationship with them. I don't of understand course, there is. So you have to have the have the ghost stories out there start with someone getting killed or a car accident here or some horrible crime that leaves the poor ghost, you know, wailing for all yep. eternity in that yeah. location. So, well, it seems like it seems but, like a lot of a lot of uh, you know ghost stories and and cases that are out there of the paranormal, they come from true crime. That's why I talk about the relation. A lot of them. I think there's that like idea of place memory that 
an, a location can kind of get haunted in its own way by the energy left behind. So like, like when something like a crime happens, it's a little more heavier than someone winning the lotto. Like it just stays there, like just gross. And I don't know. I think people can pick up on that. Uh, Jennifer, since you've started investigating, because 2007 has been a while, and I had different ideas back when I got started, which was around, oh, God. 1827. No, late 2002. <laughs> like around 2002, 2001, yeah. somewhere around there. My ideas have shifted a ton about what I think ghosts are, what creates a haunting, where things are heading. What's something that you thought when you got started that you've come to change your mind on or, or look at in a different light? Um, you know, I think when I first started doing it, I expected, um, I expected more of like, uh, what you would call like intelligent haunts, you know, where yeah. you would get direct interaction and things like that. Um, and that definitely has never been the case for like the locations, um, out here that, that I investigate. There's like one or two, but um, mainly they're all like the residual type. And I have a friend who hates when, um, people like categorize, uh, types of hauntings, but like, I don't, how else would you describe it? I'm not really sure. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I've, I think that I've come to really believe that there has to be something to the thought, like you just said of, of like place memory, mm-hmm. because it seems like the locations where just terrible things have happened, whether it was, you know, murders or, or just an unusual amount of death or like jails, like jails are some yeah. of my favorite places to investigate hospitals, you know, obviously. Um, and I just, I think there has to be something to that. So. Nope. I, I agree. Uh, you've been to a lot of places cause I was perusing your website and you're stalking you again. I was stalking you on the internet <laughs> and I, there was a ton of, uh, places you've been to uh, mostly on the west coast which we have not been to any of and no, like, we, we tend to stay on this side of the we're country. we're midwest, yeah, yeah, midwest. uh east coast, east coast south yeah. you know and so we haven't really got to venture out to a lot of the cool haunted places out west I, I we know that a lot of these places especially the ones that open themselves up to tourism haunted tourism can be sometimes overrun by overzealous people looking for a quick thrill. They've watched Ghost Hunters for their entire life. They're huge fans of Zach Baggins. Well, they want to be entertained. And they do. They're looking for entertainment. Just like you ride a roller coaster at Cedar Point, you know, it's going into a haunted location with the lights off is thrilling. What has been some of your favorite public haunts that you've gone to? You know, actually, I just went, we were in San Diego about a week ago, um, and I was super excited because I, I finally made it to the um, the Hotel Del Coronado that I, I hadn't been there since I was like a little kid. And I, I was kind of upset because we wanted to stay there, but they were full. Um, but when we got there, we realized it's because like pretty much the entire hotel is being renovated. And so I'm glad we didn't stay there because I think it would have been disappointing. There was so much of it that you couldn't even get to. Yeah. But um one of the places that we went to, and it wasn't even really because it's rumored to be haunted, it's because it's cool, was the USS Midway. And let me tell you, like, if you've never been on an aircraft carrier, and especially one that's supposed to be haunted, they are creepy as hell. And this one was full of um, mannequins, like, oh. dressed up as sailors and things, you know, doing different things like serving food or sitting in an office chair, what, cutting hair, whatever it is. And that place, man, it was, 
I like I I couldn't imagine walking through that ship in the dark. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, these are obviously displays, especially like, this with is, mannequins. Is, well, these were they were the mannequins. Yeah, mannequins were for display. Were purposes. they bad mannequins? Like they look kind of creepy. Like just bad. Oh, yeah. Bad facial expressions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they were made, you know, probably like early nineties, oh, late. Yeah, 80s. they're bad then. <laughs> but they were they were like so bad they were awesome. <laughs> and um there was a couple of them that actually moved and made oh, sounds. Like oh. um one guy was getting his teeth drilled in the oh, dentist chair. Oh come on. <laughs> and um yeah, and so that that ship is said to be haunted. They're pretty tight lipped about like what actually happens on board. And I, I tried my best, and I could not really get any of the docents to open up to me about it. But uh, um, I can't, like, it does not surprise me if it if it does have activity. And it, it's just, it was so cool. Like, I think we spent, like, two hours there just, you know, walking around the different decks and stuff. And it's just massive. So. When, you went to Gettysburg, and we love Gettysburg. We've yeah, been there we, a thousand times. What what year did yeah. you first go to Gettysburg, and what was your impression of it? Because it's like the ghost hunter's mecca, like even back in the oh, day. I know. I love it. So my aunt actually lives about 45 minutes away from there. Okay. So um, I, I've been a few times, and I'm trying to think. The first time I went there with, like, ghosts in mind was probably early 2000s, like 2002 or three. Yeah, that's, like, the time um, we were there, the laughter. Yeah. And like my, um, I think we went, we did a ghost tour one year and then we did, um, they, they would tell spooky stories in the Jenny Wade basement or no, the Farnsworth house basement. And so I had actually taken my kids with me to that one. Cause my, it was like a family thing. Um, so I've never like full on ghost hunted there, but man, would I love to. And my aunt actually, um, when my, I guess my cousin was younger, uh, he was in like Boy Scouts, and so my aunt would help out, and they would often do like their Boy Scout camping out in in Gettysburg. And she had some freaky stories of things that she had happened to her out there. And so, like, I just I fully believe it's probably one of the top five haunted places in the whole world. Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. What kind of experiences did she have while camping? She, um, I can't remember. I I think she said that they would hear. Uh, what sounded like soldiers like walking through the the woods on the edge of the campground and I believe they even saw something and I can't remember if it was like a full-bodied apparition yeah or if it was a light but they saw something go from like the field into the tree line Mm. and then disappear I feel like that is one of the number one places that people do see full-bodied apparitions and in like action mode running doing something yelling yeah. and hearing things i instead of seeing just like a partial like oh we saw someone from the waist up or we saw just an arm like nope i've had more stories from people tell me that they and out of nowhere like and during the day which are yeah. that's even the best like a daytime one like oh well i mean and what could be some reasons for that just to have a little brainstorm here place memory <laughs> yeah ma- i mean massive amounts of yeah. trauma you know oh yeah and, and i I tend to think like I think it has to do with like like your emotional state. Oh yeah, you know. And so, I mean, when you think about just the intense fear that these guys had at the moment of their death, like it was just, that I can't imagine much that that's worse than than the situation that they were in because it was like horrible, and so many people were killed on that day in such a small area. You know. Yeah. 
Uh, and one of the things I think people neglect to really understand, well, I guess if you go to Gettysburg a few times, you'll understand this, but uh, that method of war that was happening at that time was not surgical war. That was brutal mm-hmm. bat- battery-type war. I mean, they, they call the you know, battalions and battery. Well, it's yeah, the reason they don't do that anymore. Well, yeah, it, it was messy. <laughs> and I don't know any nice way to say that. It was very messy. Um, and it wasn't a matter, you know, I have, I have friends, people I know who, who have done time in the military. They've done tours. And they're like, well, yeah, I got shot. And, you know, they got me to the clinic and got the bullet out. And, you know, I'm fine. Now. I, I got a permanent scar on my arm or some muscle damage. But other than that, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Back then, if you took a, a bullet shot, the likelihood you were just going to lose your leg. <laughs> it was it was not a matter of you know that any type of good surgery well, they yeah, said well surgery, the surgery was they were going to cut your leg off or your arm off or whatever it might be that you, right. you get shot at without anesthesia yeah <laughs> they get you drunk they just get you yeah. drunk we I, some of the stories i love hearing out there they would literally just get you drunker in hell they well, just, I, yeah it, they pour whiskey down your throat i think a lot of stuff that we have to this day in the surgical field was learned out on battlefields like gettysburg because well, yeah. you had to learn how to do stuff fast. On, on I, I think that's where super glue came from. Because it was actually used to glue wounds together. It wasn't just to like glue stupid things together. I want together. that verified. I, well, I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I want that one verified. I don't know. I'm but telling no. you, super glue. I'm going to look it up right now. She's like, I'm looking it up. We're doing this on the air. Wonderful. So, <laughs> but I know that's one of the. I always like to ask that to people as far as, you know, why is Gettysburg. Let's call it the Ghost Hunters Disney World, basically. Um, and I think there are a lot of reasons. I think any battlefield, frankly, not and even you know, along with Gettysburg, of course, um, there was stuff that happened there, especially at that time in our history. And you know, you put your, you put the finger on it, Jennifer. You know, these men and women, I'd say too, um, the fear because it wasn't surgical. It, it was like okay. The likelihood of me going out here of dying is very high, and it's not going to be in a pretty way. It's going to hurt. Right? So right. you that that piece right there alone is going to leave some type of impression on the environment. Amber's jumping up and down in the corner here, freaking now, out. What's now, my, my memory does serve me correct. Now, again, it was with war. It wasn't Gettysburg uh, yeah. or Civil War, but superglue was first used in the Vietnam War. In a spray form as a homostatic agent to temporarily patch the internal organs of injured soldiers until conventional surgery could be performed. Patch the internal organs? Glue people back together. Their skin. Whatever they needed to glue. (laughs) It could be. That's what they did. So I knew my memory wasn't faulty on that one. Okay. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. But you. Okay. All right. I'm really confused right now. <laughs> what, what happened? I don't know. Uh, no, but I think that that is a big thing with Gettysburg, especially is just that it, it, it it's a it's a it's a, a soup of all those things. But I think the main ingredient of the soup is just that fear element that you know, people going basically marching to die, uh, which is what makes a lot of those monuments not only you know the paranormal ideas, the stuff that happened that people have seen out there, but I think just some of the monuments you go to, they're powerful. Because you read, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've been to some monuments there and sat down and looked at these, you know, looked at these plaques and it's like, okay, right here, 5,000 men died one morning. I'm like, <laughs> that's just not something that happens every day. 
Right. Imagine being a property owner at that time and just watching this go down <laughs> on your land. Like, um, okay, what do I do now? It's it's a very confusing thing. Amber, you're. you're... I I want to know your advice for anybody that's listening that is realizing god i'm a, i'm not a good parent i'm i'm kind of a crappy ghost hunter and i need to research better <laughs> i and if they if they yeah. want to know what they can do especially if like i i agree with you i'm an, i'm an introvert too sometimes when it comes to stuff if i can find it on the internet and dig deep i'm and i don't have to travel 4 hours to a library somewhere hidden in a cave like all the better so what are your tips for people that want to improve their research skills better especially within this kind of realm of uh, research that we all do uh, you know I think the the number one thing and um, it's where I always start off is newspaper archives yeah and, um, I I have some that I do pay for but there are a lot that are out there for free um, and all the best way to find it like in your state, it's just Google, like, for instance, um, Colorado historic newspapers or, um, you know, Maryland digital newspaper archives, you know, whatever, like your state and then those words. And oftentimes you'll see that there's quite a few that are out there um, that they've already digitized. They have the Library of Congress one. I yeah. don't really like using that one because it's, it's just not mm-mm. user friendly nope. at all. It's, it's called Chronically in America and it's clunky as hell. It's... It's not user friendly. It's cool, but it's not fun to use. No, I'll I'll use it if I get desperate, like if I just can't find anything. That's like my last resort. Yep. But yep. Um, you know, usually you can find there's some states that there aren't any, um, or there's very few, but most states have something online. And then, you know, start with your state archives online. Yep. Um a lot of them will have, you know, tons of photographs. Um Sanborn fire maps yes. are freaking fantastic awesome. for like dating locations because yep. they'll they'll show you where they were um, throughout the years and um, you'll be able to tell like when things were added onto or changed or or whatever or like for example if if you know you're investigating a building that sat on this site in 1910 but you know there was something or possibly a building there before look at the Sanborn fire maps if they have a fire map from 1880 you'll know what was on that site, if anything, in 1880. So those are one of my favorites, too. And they're free. You don't have to pay anything. So if anybody wants to find you, Jennifer, where do they find you? Where do they get your books? How can they support you? Tell us all the good stuff. It's super easy. Um, Pretty much everywhere I am, thedeadhistory.com. Don't forget the the in front of it. Um, And that goes for, like, Facebook and Instagram. Um, my books are available online. Um, if you want them signed and personalized, you can buy them from me directly. Um, but they're, they're also available like Amazon. And, um, I don't know if my Utah book would be in like other local stores, but Barnes and Noble and things like that, at least here in Utah. So. Awesome. Excellent. Sweet. And if you want us, if you're going to be at Haunted America, you're going to see Jen's super, Awesome, strange graves and the people within presentation. So enjoy that for us because yeah, we won't be there. We won't be there and we're bummed. Yeah. And anyway, thank you so much thank for you. joining us, Jennifer. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had fun. Ghostly Talk. <laughs>